Hello, everyone. I'm Christine Bentley with Kate Wheeler, and you're listening to What She Said, brought to you today by TD Wealth, your story, your future. So happy you could join us this evening. Now, getting good value for what we spend our money on is a priority for almost everyone, Kate, and Kijiji is just one of the huge marketplaces for that secondhand economy. And now I just have to figure out how to spell it. Yes. Kijiji. Um, But Samantha Kemp Jackson is going to join us to talk about um, that and Kijiji's third annual She Index, which will tell us all about our buying patterns, as well as how it fits into her household buying. And apparently it's huge. Yeah, especially if you have children. I mean, who wants to spend full dollar on items that they're going to grow out of or not use in three months? Uh, And games might fit into that, you know, especially if you do have children. And we have the story of a brand new one that is all about the ecosystem of our oceans. Toronto game developer Jane G will talk about what she hopes children will take away from this. Something fun, but it's also highly educational. You know, dupe them when you can. Yeah, (laughs) but but that's that is the way I was listening actually today Mm. uh, to somebody talking about that we should have games for financial literacy because then all our children would be literate if you make it a game. Mm -hmm. It's fun, which is what she's done. So fun is what travel expert Kathy Buckworth is all about, but also experiencing new places. And this evening, she's going to tell us about all about the land of the yodel, Switzerland, and all that there is to do both summer and winter. And there is a lot. And I hope she brought us Swiss chocolate. Oh. (laughs) Now, um, an experience is what most of us go to the movies for, if it's a good one. And Brody, our movie critic, will give us the uh, goods on what she has previewed this week, including not on the big screen, but on the small screen, Frankie and Grace, which starts a new season. Did you have you watched the? No, I haven't. I haven't because I don't have Netflix yet. O-M-G. Yes, I know. (laughs) But I could go see Kristen Stewart in Personal Shopper, a wonderful film she says set in the world of Paris haute couture. She's a lowly shopper and haunted by a recurring dream or a ghost or something. So that should be good. And Woody Harrelson, who has now apparently given up marijuana. Oh. Um, (laughs) Stars as Wilson, a grumpy aging widower (laughs) who is bitter and obnoxious but tries to turn his life around. (laughs) Maybe this is Woody's life story. (laughs) Now, did you know that TD has a chief environmental officer? I did not. Neither did Di. And we are going to meet and chat with her about a huge initiative TD has spearheaded for Canada's 150th birthday. And we have a very special treat for you in our live studio sessions. Quentin Cochran will be here and singing for us and you. When we come back... Back, Samantha Kemp Jackson is going to tell us about some very special deals. This is what she said. We'll be right back. Well, somebody we don't want to let go is in studio right now with us, Samantha Kemp Jackson, the Toronto parenting blogger of Multiple Mayhem Mama, is in the house. Hi, <laughs> nice to be here. Well, we're fascinated to talk to you about uh, Kijiji's third annual She Index. Now, She stands for Secondhand Economy, which is just apparently booming. It is booming. So it's been Probably about, yeah, this is a third secondhand economy, and it's worth about $29 billion Canadian. So we've got this whole economy that's happening that many of us are using and some of us don't know about, so I'm here to talk to you about it. Do you even remember a world without Kijiji? 
Uh, I don't because I have kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got the app on my phone and I've got it on my desktop and it's just kind of the natural way to do things. But there was a time, I guess, that it didn't exist. But it, now it, it's it's blown up. So would you call it garage sale gone mainstream? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I guess, you know, there's still that joy of going to a garage sale oh, yeah. and finding you know. the goodies and yeah. the, the deals. But I think what is really uh, interesting about Kijiji and what's, you know, kind of fun is that it's like having that garage sale on your phone exactly. or on your desktop. You know, we all walk around with those devices and now it's really easy to just download the app and, and, and shop at two in shop, the morning. upload, <laughs> shop. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, but hold on a second. You said $29 billion in secondhand transactions in 2016. Mm-hmm. That's not just booming. That's like, to put it into context, that's larger than the GDP of Canada's agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting sectors combined. That's right. So we realize now that, you know, most of us are pretty adept or pretty comfortable being online, whether it's on a desktop or on a device. And we've also realized that many of us are sitting on items that we can either give second love to, pass along, we can buy. So there's some figures in the secondhand economy. So the average Canadian who sold on the secondhand economy, they made about $1,037 on average. Um, and those who are buying, the, it was about 843. That's how much they saved. Samantha, what does it say about our value system changing, our society changing? Because it used to be that you would never want to admit that you bought anything secondhand. And now I hear millennials bragging about, that was $1,200 in the store and I got it for 120 <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I think that we realize that, you know, there's often a lot of life that's left in products that we might not uh, use anymore. So, for example, I've got kids. I've got four kids. My my two youngest are identical twins. They're just about to turn eight. And I like to share the love with their items. So they grow out of clothes very quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's very convenient for me to go online to share and to sell my stuff and conversely buy new stuff that is previously used and gently used for my kids. Anyone who has kids knows that. You know, they grow out of things really quickly and it gets kind of expensive. So why wouldn't you go and try to get some value for the stuff that you're sitting on that's not being used and for stuff you can use in future? Do you have any tips for people who've never been on Kijiji? Yeah, I've got lots of tips. I mean, it's pretty easy. So first of all, if you do have a device, so if you've got, you know, a cell phone or a tablet, you can download the app. And once you've downloaded the app, it's simple, very intuitive. All you need to do is uh, open up the app and you can log on, sign in. You can upload your items that you want to sell. You can you can search uh, by category. So whether you're looking for baby clothes, whether you're looking for sports equipment for your kids, it's all categorized and it makes it very simple. So you've got the app in your fo- your pocket. You can always do it. It's really easy to take a picture. We're all kind of obsessed mm-hmm. with selfies and pictures. So, you know, just continue that on and uh, take the picture, upload it and sell. What about safety? There were concerns about about how you should handle people coming to get up, pick up your your goods or whether you should deliver them. Yeah, I mean, I think that most people are pretty adept and pretty comfortable with online transaction, whether mm-hmm. it's dating. I mean, that's pretty popular online, whether it's buying or selling items on Kijiji and similar mm-hmm. uh, sites. Basically, for safety, you would do what you would do in any instance. So you would meet somebody in a public place. You would make sure that somebody else knows where you're going and who you're meeting. You wouldn't go somewhere with someone that you don't know. You'd make sure that all the contact information for that person has been checked out and you've provided that contact information to somebody else. But generally speaking, I mean, considering that $29 billion were bought (laughs) and sold on Kijiji, there's, you know, very little to none in terms of, of... 
danger in the city. It's just basic common sense. It's basic common sense. I mean, we do a lot of things online now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would use that with any online transaction. What about getting a better deal? I mean, I know people will go on and they say, I saw a couple of things, but maybe something better will come up. You know, those people who are always Always waiting for some. What's your advice there? Just if you see the the right thing, grab it because it'll... Well, gone tomorrow or? Yeah, you know, I think that you really need to comparison shop. So know what you're buying, know the genre that you're looking for. So if you're looking for sports equipment for your kids, perhaps go on to the Kijiji site and look at what are people selling similar items for? What has sold in the past? What are they selling for? What's the range? So it's like anything, intelligence gathering, know what you're buying, know what you're going to probably have to pay and then be prepared to pay that amount. Don't be caught off guard. Also, you might want to think about in terms of selling. Um, I was actually just at, there was an installation downtown last week. Uh, Kijiji had an installation. Mm-hmm. It was unfreeze your assets was the uh, <laughs> was the tagline. And um, they had a frozen couch, which represented the frozen assets that so many of us are sitting on. So on average, as I said, sellers, they in Canada will make about 1037 So the couch represented, the frozen couch represented the frozen assets. So I would, you know, call everybody to kind of look around, see what you can sell, especially now with it spring cleaning. Um, I think it's a good time to kind of look at what's in our house, in our basement, whatever, and what we can share, you know. Do we know who the biggest buyers and sellers are? Well, I don't know about the biggest buyers and sellers, but in terms of the categories, I would say the first category was clothing, accessories, shoes. The next, Shoes? Yeah, yeah, clothing, Ooh. accessories. Well, who doesn't that like That could be a dangerous bag. Who doesn't bags like a nice bag of shoes, yeah. right? Woo. So the first was clothing, accessories, shoes. The next was entertainment-related products. Uh, the Which third, are what, like what? TV? Uh, TVs, uh, you know... I guess TV, those type of items. Um, The third was um, baby-related products, so accessories, clothes, that type of thing. Uh, The fourth, I believe, was gaming or game-specific equipment, Mm -hmm. video. And then the fifth was leisure items. So, I mean, that could cover a number of things. That could be boating items. That could be camping items, tents, whatever. Whatever. So there are all those subcategories that people can look into and then kind of delve into specifically what the range is for what they want to spend and come up with with their answer. So do you think more people are going going on and using Kijiji um, as, what do they call it, like a, a side hustle trend? Yes, I think people are upping their game. And I think I think it's a smart thing to do. Why wouldn't you if you have stuff? I mean, I'm in the process of going through my basement because my kids have way too much stuff. And I live in a little house in the city and I have Mm -hmm. no space. So I'm going through my kids toys and I'm saying, okay, what can I pass the love on to someone else? There might be a younger child who will enjoy this puzzle that was played with once or twice, you know? Mm -hmm. So what can I do uh, to sell this online and kind of up my game in terms of a side hustle? People are taking that money that they're making on Kijiji with their quote-unquote side hustle, and they're using it towards things that they really want to use it towards, such as groceries and routine items, such as gas. Their hydro bill. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Utilities, right? Well, when you think that more than 80% of us are using Kijiji, but for somebody who's never been on before, we don't have much time. Mm -hmm. They download the app. 
they sign up, I guess, create an account. They cre- create an account. And then you take a picture of the item. You take a picture, you upload it, you put your uh, little synopsis of what it is and what you're selling it for, and that's it. Conversely, you go in if you're going in as a buyer and you type in the genre or the, the, the specific item that you're looking for. So if you're looking for video yeah. game, you type in video game and a number of options will come up for and you. And you can choose which information, contact information yeah, so you can is private or, or It's not. private. So yes. your, your email is not shown to anybody. You will have a unique ID that will be put out for the people who are interested and they will contact you through the unique ID. And it doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't cost you anything. Is there any bargaining or bartering on there? Well, it's not a bartering site. No, I mean, I no, <laughs> no, no. I know that, but yeah. but is it? I'm sure people try to barter, oh, okay. but I think that you know having you know, what you do after you get in touch with each other, and if you want to change the pricing, that's that's your call. But um, look for that OBO or best offer. Or best right? offer. That's right. <laughs> Those the are other, the key. The key uh, words. Now the other thing too is if something's far away, is it up to you to go get it if you're buying it, or is it up to them to deliver, or do you d- decide that? Well, I think the great thing about Kijiji is that you can go regionally. You can get okay. very okay. specific in terms of location and region. So if you don't want to go really far away from where you are, or if you don't have a vehicle and you really are just on the transit system, you can look for items within a specific boundary group. So it's your choice. Well, Samantha Kemp Jackson, thank you very much for coming in thank and telling you for us. Having and me. you it's so much fun. You can find Samantha at Multiple Mayhem Mama. That's your blog site, right? That's right. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. This is what she said. Stay with us. Well, most of us are concerned about the environment, and there is a special pull to our oceans. They seem to have a mystique for all of us, especially our children. The ocean and the environment and children are all on the mind of game developer Jane G from Toronto, who just this week released iBiome Ocean, her second in a series. Welcome to what she said. Oh, thank you, Kate, for having me here. We're very excited to have our game launch a few days ago, and it was featured by um, iTunes in the iTunes store. So very excited about that. So we've never met a game no, developer before. No, we haven't. <laughs> so how, how did you come to be a game developer? Oh, see, that's a very interesting question. I think really uh, in real life, there's not a lot of female game developers in the world. Uh, but I'm very fortunate in back in 1994, I was hired in a major um, games development studio in back in China. Mm-hmm. So I started as a game uh, designer and I really, really love this media. So when I moved to Canada and I started to uh, um, the uh, started the studio with my partner, and we want to design games from a feminine perspective. So um, we, uh, I think, very important project for us is called the Living Garden, and which is a social game on Facebook. Mm-hmm. It was important to to us and to me, I think, is because it's also connect me with the environmental challenges we're facing today. Yeah. What are what's the feminine perspective for a game? I'm just curious. Okay, I think uh, yes, I was got a lot, asked a lot for that question. I think for me is a game is first of all is a media is a kind of like um, author is writing a story. So inevitably, you know, everyone get involved with the game design will bring his or her own perspective to the the game. So um, really, like to me, the feminine perspective, I think is a kind of a nourishing um, 
in this sense, like you are supporting something, you are providing something fundamental, or perhaps providing an opportunity even in the future, kind of more in line with what we're doing, like educational games.、Mm-hmm. You provide some basic knowledge. You you probably、um, trying to、uh, give them the basic skills or basic、uh, understanding for a certain subject matter. And for me, I think it is a lot of fun to、uh, design, you know.、Um, Game not only fun but also something. After、mm-hmm. you played it, you you felt you learned something. I think that's really、uh, rewarding to me. So tell us, the first in the series was I Biome Wetland, and、right. this is the second Ocean. Right. So tell us what the players are, are tasked with with doing, how it works. Okay, sure. The、uh, I Biome Ocean、uh, is all about building,、uh, exploring, and learning. So the kids can build and explore the、uh, different kind of ecosystems and celebrate the rich、uh, diversity of sea lives. They can either play on their own or co-play with their parents, and、uh, I think most importantly, they are learning the、uh, real-world、um, ecological and biological interactions. So, in in terms of exactly the、uh, game mechanics、uh, in the game, is that they just drag and drop, and they can make the、uh, they can decide what species is playing, what kind of ecological role, and then as they、uh, Learn this from the play; they will understand some basic biology、uh, concept for、uh, one or two species, and that introduce the species to their domes. Okay, and you you also teach them, and they play with the environmental challenges the ocean is facing, like overfishing, plastic litter,、mm-hmm. um, ocean acidity, global warming. Right.、Um, how? How do you make them interesting without making them alarming? Because the because the game is aimed at seven to twelve year olds. Right, right. I think that's really is a, a lot of、uh, testing and、uh, twisting、uh, going on with our design part, because,、um, like you mentioned, you know, environmental challenges is very big, but、uh, we believe everyone can help、uh, from our from reducing our、uh, footprint. Mm-hmm. So, like, how are you going to convey that idea to the kids? What we did is, first of all, we will make them build this biodome first. When they build a biodome, they see the beautiful nature coming up right in front、mm-hmm. of their eyes, and then they will have this kind of、uh, care. They would have this association build up. And maybe、But、a protective feeling about it. I think so.、Yeah. I think so. And then we will we will give them a tool, which is you know、uh, allow them to build different kind of、uh, technical advantages, like uh, uh, the uh, comfort. For example, we have we enjoyed every day, like a hot tap or maybe a refrigerator or plastic bottles or the, all those or kind of exactly or bags. So so when kids build them,、uh, they just you know like. Because we're smart, we like to build. We enjoy the technology,、um, and then we build them. Then the game will review the consequences. So th- we will have like、uh, the CO two. We will have some plastic litters or the uh, uh, the forbidden the the fishing nest, for example.、Mm-hmm. So those becomes the litters to the the beautiful dome that they build. So naturally, the kids will wonder how are they going to. Help、yeah. with the situation. 
Besides educating them, though, don't you think that children become the messengers? I remember a friend whose child came home and said, I'm not taking uh, my lunch in a plastic bag anymore. It, you either get me a renewable, a reusable thing that can be washed, or I'm not taking my lunch because I know that this is causing waste. Suddenly, you know, they had to go out and buy. I mean, they were educating the parents. <laughs> really, I, I, I believe you. I believe you. I truly believe, you know, the power of education. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so important for us to focusing on the uh, the game that can be helpful for the inquiry-based the STEM classroom, where the teachers will use games like this to be a kind of a powerful tool to engage the students with the biology, in our case, and then through the co-play or like you, the case you mentioned, the kids can be the messenger. Mm-hmm. So everyone, mm-hmm. like what we're running today is uh, the uh, having a campaign called Being uh, C Students. When I say C is S-E-A. So really is... We should all like, be C students. Exactly. <laughs> so we can all learn about this and then, then as we enjoy the play, but also learn about the ecological footprint we all have and how to reduce it. Is this your mandate with all the games you're going to design? I think for us is that we will uh, focus on the uh, educational games in general. But at the moment, we are focusing on the uh, uh biology for Mm -hmm. that subject matter. Because really, there's a lot of uh, apps about math. There's a lot of app perhaps about coding, but there's not a lot of apps about biology. And it happens to be a very, very important part. What would the next be in your series? Oh, that's a good question. I think we have been doing with water themes uh, for the past two games. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the next one we would either extend uh, for another uh, ecosystem, which is also important, like Arctic Ocean, uh, or perhaps we could go something to change the theme to be like a land, a forest, rainforest. It could all be the possibility. So how do people get iBiome Ocean? Because you can play it as a web game on your iPad as, as well, and schools can get a special deal on it too, right? That's right. That's right. So for the for the game, for all of our two games, the uh, the uh, everyone can buy it from the iTunes stores. Uh, but also, you can also buy the online version if you don't have any of those kind of a mobile device. Especially for schools who are using Google Chromebooks, they can purchase the online license for the for two of the games, and then they can play as a entire classroom. So the uh, for the iTunes store, we give the educator a special discount, mm-hmm. and also for online as well. So they're all affordable. So where would they go online? They will go to uh, schools.springbaystudio.com uh, okay. and from there they will be able to uh, purchase the license. But for, for the rest of us we can go to the education app section of the app store. Right. Exactly okay. or if you google iBiome I think you probably will have both of them. And it's three ninety nine. Yeah game? that's three ninety nine for the Canadian dollar. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we also come with a light version where you can download it for free to try whether you like it. 
before you make the decision for the full version. Uh, we don't have any ads in the in the game, so really um, is just the uh, kind of if you like, you buy it. Kenji, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. This is what she said. Stay with us. Joining us now is our travel expert, Kathy Buckworth. And this week, she's going to talk about all the things you can do year-round in Switzerland, a destination on many people's bucket lists. Yes. Mm. I mean, it's, you know what, it's cheese, it's chocolate, and everything runs and on time. where is, where is, so, where's where is our chocolate? And that cheese? Uh, it's on the way. I <laughs> ate it. I ate it. I ate out. I, <laughs> maybe I brought some back. Maybe I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, yes, uh-huh. it was a fantastic trip. I had not I had been to Switzerland once before as a child, actually, and just to Zurich. So this time, I went to two pretty well-known ski areas, a pretty swanky ski areas called uh, St. Moritz and Gestad. Um, and, you know, traveling to Switzerland is pretty easy. Um, it's not a bad flight. Uh, Swiss francs are the currency there. They speak four languages. It's very accessible. It's lovely. Um, when you get to St. Moritz, it is actually what you think it's going to be. It's a very upscale um, ski resort. It's absolutely beautiful. There's access to three main ski areas there. And it is the home of the bobsleigh. They still make their bobsleigh runs with uh, snow and ice. There's no nothing uh, artificial in there. The, a city of firsts as well. First electric light in Switzerland. First streetcar. Um, they have this Cresta ride, it's called, which is like the precursor to the bobsled run. It's more like a skeleton ride that only men are allowed to do because the rumor is that one year the president of the club's wife beat him. So now it's only men allowed to do the run, um, except on the last two days when women are allowed to do it uh, when the season is ending. Uh, and so it's a very sort of uh, vintage throwback sort of town. Um, you know, big celebrities used to hang out there, you know, like Elizabeth Taylor, um, yeah. you know, uh, Roger Moore, all of these, you know, it was a very sort of uh, old vintage Hollywood place to visit today. And they had the Olympics there in 1928, 1948. You have that feel. But today it's actually very sort of supernatural. I use that term in the sense that everybody lives outdoors. Um, they do a polo polo on the ice with horses. They do horse racing on the ice. There's a huge cross-country ski marathon um, with 12,000 skiers that turn up. And that's in the winter. And the main hotels there, if you're planning a trip there, uh, they actually close at the end of March uh, for April and May and open again in June. And then they close again in the fall and open in for the winter season. So it's very much, while I say all season, it's more all winter and all summer. And summer, of course, hiking, biking, like like yeah absolutely yeah mm-hmm. and so i mean the seasons are beautiful in between they just don't get the same tourist draw in between uh while i was traveling there i traveled swiss rail and so if you are going to travel all around switzerland because it is three hours from zurich to st moritz and then another sort of four to trek back over to Gestad, which is where i went next the swiss train system surprisingly runs right on time <laughs> you know if it says 802 it's 802, and nothing is ever Doesn't delayed. Doesn't surprise and me at it's all. Fantastic. I'm such the a time control freak. I know, and I'm such a time control freak. I was like, I love these people. Like, well, it was amazing. That, isn't that, that where somebody got on a train um, and they and it was 830? And they said, "Don't you want the eight thirty-two? That right. one's coming in next." It's <laughs> right. like you're you're exactly. you're on the wrong train. It's and like you a- had to watch it too. I was on one train, and that big announcement came over, and everybody got up and left the compartment, and it was because the train was splitting, and you had to be on the right compartment to get to the right de- destination. Yeah, so you do have to pay attention. Um, I did get to just add, and again, like Simmers, it's very much a winter ski town, and then a big summer uh, resort. What built just add the history of it is quite fascinating. Is there's the most expensive private school in the world called La Rose. In 
Institute La Rosie is there. It's $110,000 a semester should you want to choose to send your children there. <laughs> anyway, their main campus isn't in the Gestad area, but they're there from oh. January to March. And so a lot of the families would go there and ski while their kids were in school. I mean, there's Rothschilds, Rainier, like Prince Rainier went there, Roger, Roger Moore's kids, Sean Lennon went there. And actually, when I was there, it was the last day of classes, and a bunch of these kids came into the hotel where I was staying. And a pretty fascinating um, you know, insight into how the different people's lives are. And then it's sort of crossed with um, very natural sort of there's cows migrating in the seasons that walk through the center of town. I didn't see that. I wasn't at, at a change of season. And the tourist office said to me, it's really frustrating because the cows decide when they want to go. So we can't even publicize a date you know, for people to come and see this parade of cows. Um, they also have uh, great music festivals there in the summer, polo tournaments. Um, there's just a lot to do. And the homes there since the 1960s, you're not allowed to build a home in a not a chalet style. So every building in Gestad is looks like a chalet. Now, inside, I understand it can be all kinds of modern and you know different decor, but the facade on the outside has to look like a chalet. So it makes for that very picturesque sort of um, view. I stayed at the Gestad Palace, which is where they filmed Return of the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. And of course, Blake Edwards uh, mm-hmm. was married to Julie Andrews. And she became a citizen of Gestad. In fact, there's you know a statue that she donated and uh, lots of um, history uh, from celebrities. Uh, Anne Hathaway goes there all the time, uh, Valentino. Um, there's a, a statue from one of uh, Liza uh, Minnelli's, uh, her sister actually uh, there. So there's this great, as I said, it's this sort of Hollywood royalty, rich private school kids, and then this very natural down-to-earth sort of feel from the people there. Um, great producers of, of course, uh, dairy products. Um, I went to a restaurant where we walked in and I had a cheese fondue, but there was a glass wall and behind the glass were live cows. So they, I said, oh, that's from farm to plate. Like, 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 literally. So literally from farm to plate. Uh, so, like, you know, what you hoped it would be, how's that? What you hope Switzerland um, is, it, it is, right? And, and the best time to go is obviously in season. But if you want to get some better deals, mm-hmm. um, definitely go there in the spring or the fall when the main hotels are closed down. So most of the regular clientele isn't there. And you can sneak in for some great deals. and still great hiking and biking and, and just outdoor. Yeah. Well, Fantastic. Because this was so great, we'll forgive you for the chocolate. But oh, never geez. again. <laughs> I know, got, right? This is Next a one time, time pass. Darn, yeah. Maybe Alex ate it. Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> okay, and we'll thanks. chat with you in a few weeks. Okay, thanks. Saturday night and the moon is. Who cares what picture you see? And Brody joins us now. This week she's brought to you by Elevation Pictures. And one of the uh, movies out is Life. Life, which is a space horror thriller starring, get this, Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal. So, you know, it's a bit of a heartthrobby thing, but it fails in my mind because it is incredibly derivative. It's alien, it's gravity, it's sort of every space film you've ever seen. You know, Mm. you're trapped up there in the air and there's a monster uh, and there's no way out. So you have to use your brains. You know know what's going to happen. I I found it really too derivative. I couldn't wait for it to be over, unfortunately. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to shopping. Personal shopper. Personal shopper in Paris. Oh, my goodness. Oliver Isaias' film, his second with Kristen Stewart. It's fantastic. It's a very moody kind of a, a psychological horror film. She plays a woman whose twin brother died very young 
from heart failure due to stress. So now her job is to outfit a huge celebrity in Europe. It's set in France. So that's what she does. And in the meantime, on her in her spare time, she's a medium. So she goes to a home to try and make a connection with her brother so that she can have some kind of, you know, the word closure. Um, it's creepy. It's, it's simmering. Uh, it's ooh, tingling. She sees him, she believes, but then things start to go severely downhill. She finds that her, her uh, employer has been stabbed. But there's all kinds of psychological things going on, all kinds of interesting twists and turns in her life and her mind and her history. And Kristen Stewart is just amazing. So it's a must-see. Mm. Okay, so Woody Harrelson saying he's given up pot, and now he yeah, stars in Wilson. after 30 years. After 30 years. Well, this is what more. he's going to turn into. This is one of the <laughs> grumpiest characters I've ever seen in all my life. <laughs> what, a, what a despicable person he plays in this film. I don't know what the problem is specifically, but he is impossible to be around. He's a megalomaniac. He's pushy. He has no relationships. His pets don't even like him. And he's he, so he he discovers that his wife, who ran away screaming years earlier, had had a baby, his baby. So they get together and they go and find her and intrude on her life. And it's just everything is disruptive. What this man does, I don't know the purpose of a film like this. It's based on a popular uh, graphic novel, mm-hmm. um, and there's absolutely no reason to go and see it. You oh. know. <laughs> How about second time around? Oh, my God, that's so charming. Is it? <laughs> yes, it is. It's got a Canadian who's who of stars in it. Don Franks in his last performance, Paul Soles, uh, Stuart Margolin, who actually was in Days of Heaven. Jane Eastwood, who's Jane in Eastwood, everything. And Linda Thorson. Linda Thorson, oh. Tara, Tara de Boudier, Tara, yeah, yeah, Tara that's King her. from The Avengers. But she was born in Toronto. I didn't she know that. She was. She actually splits her time now between New York, Toronto, and, and London. Yes. So she went to um, London to start to study RADA at RADA. And John Houston pushed her to become an actor and sent her to this audition for the Avengers. She got it over 200 girls. Now she is uh, older in her 70s and she's stunningly beautiful. And she's in this film second time around, which is about two of the residents who fall in love. And I'm not just saying they have a friendly time. They are passionately sexually involved. And it is such an interesting study of old age and of retirement homes. It just, you know, removes all the stereotypes. Let's switch let's switch to Netflix because Grace and Frankie is uh oh, yeah. is coming back. I watched the first two. This is season three, I guess. Yes it is. Well you'll know more than I have. All I know is that their vibrator business is going down the tubes. Oh, going okay. So, oh, sorry, that is just like such a double entendre. There, I can't even. I can't even comment. Uh, this is Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Um, the, it started. Sorry. Off, it started off well. Great dialogue, well written. Um, I find that the, the second one was kind of um, slipping, shall we say, just to make things worse. And now we're into the third one, and you're saying that this is. It's uh, the business is losing steam. The business is, yes. But I mean, everything, uh, Sam Watterson and, and Martin Sheen are becoming so much closer. And and Lily and Jane are becoming so much further apart. You know, it's just more of the same. This is what I'm, what, uh, you know, I believe to be the case. Now, I can't wait to see it. I'm such a fan. 
Uh, okay. Uh, quick mention, Rain on the Borders, yes. a short film about the 11,000 refugees um, stranded for months on the Greek-Macedonian border. Yeah, it's a 15-minute short showing at Lightbox, and it is incredibly uh, thorough and detailed and horrifying. And, it, you know, there are 65 million displaced people in the world now, and this is, gives you a really good view of what some of them go through. Uh it's quite astonishing, and I would highly recommend it. it, it it's with part of the Human Rights Watch Film Festival, which is an important annual event here in Toronto. Okay. Um, all right, so we also want to tell you that please always check out our contest page because Elevation Pictures gives us yes, tickets uh, to go away. We go, all 40 double passes are gone, so you're going to have to wait till next week for the next one. Um, but, yeah, The Zookeeper's Wife, um, all sold out, all sold out for free. It's a good one. It's a good one. Thank you. When we come back, TD's chief environmental officer joins us. This is what she said. Stay with us. Joining us this evening is TD's Karen Clark Whistler, and we are not going to be talking about money at all. We're going to be talking about the environment because she is TD's chief environmental officer. Welcome, Karen. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Now, you are going to tell us about a huge initiative TD is undertaking for Canada's 150th birthday. But first, who knew that TD has a chief environmental officer and that she influences so much? Who are you, Karen, and what exactly do you do? Because I've never heard of a chief environmental officer before. Oh, well, thank you. Um, You haven't heard of one because I am actually the only person to hold that position in the North American banking sector. And um, so it's a great position. uh, I'm the first person to hold it. Um, Been at TD for nine years, and uh, I am an environmental scientist. So really, in a nutshell, the job is to um, build that environmental perspective into into all the business areas uh, that TD operates in. So in a, you know, I've been learning about banking, and banking's been learning about the environment since I've been here. I'm interested to know who approached who about this idea. Well, it was great. Um, I think uh, about nine years ago, um, our uh, chief executive officer, Ed Clark, uh, recognized that uh, environment was um, a very significant element of the economy. Uh, We have at the time and still have a great... um, senior executive Mike Peterson, who is very personally committed to the environment, and they said, we need a really senior person who can understand how the environment and the economy links and look at that going forward, and um, that will help us uh, uncover value and competitive advantage for TD. So how does the environment and banking at TD link? Well, you know, we have, uh, we've got a program that covers every element of the bank, and there are really about four pillars. Probably the one people would know most about is our community-facing uh, programs. You know, TD has had a uh, foundation, TD Friends of the Environment Foundation, for 27 years, uh, committed to uh, supporting grassroots environmental groups. Um, so we were green, you know, and our logo, luckily, is the right color, um, uh, before the environment was cool. But you know, we have that big envir- uh, community 
employee component. Uh, we also have um, our other pillar is um, how we build and operate our facilities. We've got about 2,500 facilities in North America. Um, you know, green standards there. We even have a bunch of uh, net zero energy facilities. We have uh, self-generating uh, uh, solar panels on about 150 of our buildings. So that envelope. Um, then, you know, the pretty meaty stuff, the finance and investing side, who we finance, under what conditions um, uh, of the environment, and um, and then looking at how to create green products for consumers. And, you know, very exciting, you know, as we see these trends um, coming into the mainstream, even as recently as yesterday with the budget commitments around clean tech. So really, one way or another, my job encompasses every business of the bank. Well, tell us what TD has planned and in process for Canada's 150th birthday, because this is really, this is really, Mm -hmm. we buried the lead here. Well, you know, it's great. Um, you know, we uh, we are actually building on those activities that we've been undertaking for 27 years with Friends of the Environment Foundation, which is building on that notion of uh, communities, community building and city building. And so really what the Canada 150 initiative is all about is, uh, is bringing people together at a local community level through um, growing and enhancing urban green spaces. Um, so if I can, I can give you a few examples Absolutely. of what we're looking to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, we've got seven flagship projects. These are major projects that are happening right across the country. And um, you know, let me just give you um, an example: um, City of Water, City of Surrey, outside of British Columbia, um, working with the City of Surrey to build a brand new park in Central Surrey, which is an underserved community um, which has no green space. And so we'll be working with the city to build a brand new urban park um, with, you know, uh, natural playgrounds and trees and great, you know, lots of great things to build that bring the community together. Um, you know, in, in Waterloo, we'll be um, looking at um, enhancing uh, Waterloo uh, Park, which is over 100 years old, by creating better pedestrian and uh, bicycling access. And that's, you know, right in the center of Waterloo, an area that connects the universities. Um, I can go on if you like. I like um, the one. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in Dartmouth. So in Dartmouth, that's a great example. We are um, we are working there with the city, and all of our partners um, for these flagship projects are cities. Um, so in Dartmouth, we're helping to build um, an outdoor library that connects a Dartmouth the Dartmouth Library to an outdoor learning center with a park that then links into a park. The interesting thing about that, and and with quite a number of the projects, not only are we helping to improve green space, but we're also building elements to um, fight against climate change. So building um, climate resilience elements into uh, into these locations as well. You also have, for example, the Green Corridor of five schools in Montreal. This is a great one. So, um, again, in underserved uh, in an underserved area of Montreal, we found that there were um, five schools uh, within the vicinity of each other, and so we're working there with the city of Montreal to create a green corridor that will connect all of the schools, so the kids will not will be able to have um, a safe place, um, and will be connecting the community through those five schools. Well. 
150 projects for a, for the 150th birthday is a, a monumental initiative. Uh, TD must be really committed uh, to green spaces. Uh, why, why is it so important? Well, you know, again, I think really as we look at how Canada is evolving, you know, most of us now live in cities. Um, soon 85% of Canadians will be living in cities of 100,000 people or greater. And one of the things that all of us city dwellers um, see more and more of is, uh, you know, we see a lot of building intensification, but um, often that is at the cost of um, those places where people can meet each other, um, community parks and playgrounds that, you know, are so important to um, to creating um, great communities and neighborhoods that we all want to live in. So we've really put a marker and said, look, this is as important to city building as any other element. Um, somebody needs to be working with all of those small community groups. You know, this is what really people care about. There are lots of big, big issues, but when you come home at night, you want to take your kids to the park, you want to walk your dog, you need somewhere in your neighborhood. And um, that's why I talked about the big projects, but really, you know, over 150 grants going to small friends of parks groups, community groups, to really help to build their local community parks and school grounds. So some of the other things that you've done, though, and, and it's so refreshing that they actually involved an actual scientist um, <laughs> in, in this, is you've taken TD carbon neutral and you have drastically reduced its paper use. Yep. I mean, you know, that, that goes into part of, uh, you know, what I would call walking the talk. And, um, of course, climate change is such a big issue. And uh, really, when I was hired nine years ago, we said, okay, if we're really going to make some progress here as a bank, uh, what are the one or two things we could do? And we identified then that um, climate change was a global megatrend that was going to affect all elements of how we live and work. So, you know, we have basically been using TD's facilities as a living laboratory to look at how we can reduce our carbon, how we can improve our energy efficiency of our buildings and our uh, reduce the environmental footprint of our operations. And, you know, we've been able to leverage those learnings and take those out into products for our customers. Uh, First Bank to launch a green bond in 2014, which is a, a capital market innovation, mm-hmm. and we continue on that path. Okay, Karen, where can our listeners go to find out more about uh, how TD is giving back to this country through environmental initiatives? Please go to the TD Common. Please just Google TD Common Ground. Um, you'll see the uh, you'll see the elements of the project, and we will be updating that um, right through the whole year. There's going to be stuff going on right across the country, right through to the winter. Karen Clark Whistler, thank you so much for joining us this evening. My pleasure. This is what she said. Stay with us. Girl, you got me going crazy. I can't stop. What you are listening to is Don't Need a Reason by 17-year-old singer-songwriter Clinton Cochran. Welcome to What She Said. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Now, you got started at at a young age putting on home shows with your family and friends. Your your mom, Kim, is here. Did you get the mom, watch this, listen to this all the time? I did, all the time. He would make us sit down and he'd put on a show and we would just 
smile and clap, and he was awesome. <laughs> I had dancers to <laughs> dancers that did that. But this is this is amazing because you said it was when you watched a Justin Bieber documentary and went to one of his concerts that you knew from that moment on that this is what you wanted to do. Yeah, well, ever since I was really young, I was always really interested in entertaining. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was till when I picked up uh, guitar that I realized that it's really what I wanted to do. And did you teach yourself guitar? Um, originally, I started teaching myself, and then I took I took a few lessons, but uh, I'm pretty much self-taught, yeah. And you went and started posting covers on video. If we, we've heard, I mean, that's what Alessia Cara did when she was on the show. She talked to us about like how she started from her pink bedroom. Yeah. And this is basically, I mean, it's such a great platform. Where do you hope that this music career takes you? Uh, well, right now I'm trying to learn as much as I can about the music industry and being a new artist. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm working on different projects right now getting my website going, and I'm really just keeping my fingers crossed see where my music career will take me. So you're also the lead singer in a band with your brother and some friends. You play around Toronto. Does this music gene run in your family? Yeah, I was in a band earlier this year, and uh, my brother is a great drummer. I also have some uh, singers on my on my mom's side, I think. But um, <laughs> Yeah, so it runs in the family. And you made it to round two in the Searchlight contest, and people compared you to Shawn Mendes. How did that feel? Yeah, it was really exciting. Yeah? Great to be compared to somebody like Shawn Mendes, yeah. This is cool. You're going to be a featured performer at Toronto Youth Day at Young and Dundas Square. That's coming up on July 23rd. Are you nervous? Um, actually, no, I'm, I'm really excited. Um, it should be a great time for me to showcase my music. And uh, just last night, I was asked to be a global ambassador for Youth Day. So it's a, an honor and something uh, should be a great opportunity. It should be a super fun and exciting day. So make sure to come out on July 23rd. That's awesome. You must be very proud, Kim. I am. You are. Okay, well, we want to hear this now. So please do follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. And you'll be able to watch this full performance on our Facebook page as well. We will be back tomorrow night. But right now, here's Quentin Cochran performing Don't Need a Reason. Girl, you gotta know I cut right to the chase and Every time I see that look you got It's hard to look away And I can't let go of the words you said Spinning like a record playing in my head Girl, you gotta know All I wanna say is And I don't need a reason To tell you that I'm holding on you More than just a feeling and every time I see you, I don't need a reason to tell you that Oh, as long as I keep breathing, I'll never let you down I'll never let you down And girl, you got me going crazy, I can't stop You pull me from that other place whenever I get lost and I can't let go of the words you said Spinning like a record playing in my head Girl, you gotta know all I wanna say I don't need a reason to tell you that I'm holding on you more than just a feeling And every time I see you I don't need a reason to tell you that Oh as long as I keep breathing, I'll never let you down And I get to feel like that And I get to feel like that I get to feel like I can do anything And I get to feel like that And 
And I get to feel like that And I get to feel like I can't do anything And I get to feel like that And I get to feel like that I don't need a reason to tell you that I'm holding on you more than just a feeling And every time I see you I don't need a reason to tell you that Oh, as long as I keep breathing I'll never let you down And as long as I keep breathing I'll never let you down I'll never let you down